Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. I am smiling because I'm so excited about this episode. I have some good friends really sort of new friends as I'm getting to know their story who are on with me today. And before we get into that, though, I want to especially mention and remind you of our History Makers Experience Training, October 28th to 30th. You've seen the testimonies. You saw probably Rohan Stobie up here in his prison jumpsuit, once facing double attempted murder charges, now history-making and uh, part of our movement. Incredible story. Founded a, a movement for athletes and, and became a, an ordained minister and is traveling and speaking. You know, God is in the business of holistic transformation, the total transformation of the human being, taking you from from wherever you're at, all the way into where you're at now. I like what I'm seeing. There it is, historymakersacademy.com. That's where you want to go to get the information to register for our tw October 28th to 30th training. And don't worry, if you're from some other country, we have lots of people registering internationally. This movement is a movement of transformation in the nations. And, the, and they'll be joining us online. So if you can't make it in person uh, to Canada Christian College on those days, make sure you join us online. You can still be part of the training. The experience is the same. That's historymakersacademy.com. Now, I've got two great people with me in the studio today, Brian and his daughter, Bryn Elliott, who are here with us, and we're going to be talking about their story. You might remember, and if you didn't see it, you can go on our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, where I interviewed Neil Campbell, the Canadian Director for Family Foundations, and he talked about family blessings. And he talked about the, the, what they're seeing happening, taking place, restore, restoration of entire families and the blessing on a generation that, that we, we know the family unit is under attack, not just in our nation, but in the nations of the world, because the devil knows the power of the family unit as being God-ordained. And so I interviewed Neil Campbell, and we had just had Neil along with Brian and Bryn Elliott, Brian being somebody who, you, you're going to hear all about him, but kingdom businessman, kingdom person, and father. Somebody who is, has come through what Family Foundation ha has to offer and has an incredible story about what's taken place in his own personal life and family. And then Bryn Elliott, who has written an incredi uh, incredible book, Dying to Live. And you're going to hear about that as well today. So I want to jump right into it. Maybe I'll start with Brian. Who are you, <laughs> Brian Elliott? Talk a little bit about where you come from, what your journey is. Yeah, so originally from just outside of St. John, New Brunswick, and grew up in a small little town called Quispamsis. Wow. And in 1995, <laughs> I came to Toronto, started my own company when I was 28. And so I've been CEO in the marketplace now for about uh, you know, 23 years. 
and uh, so I get involved in lots of different things. I'm on different advisory boards. I get involved in and started a charity called Be Me Kids, and most recently, Brent and I started M46 Ministries. What's the charity you mentioned for kids? What is that one? So it's called Be Me Kids, and we started that in 2014, and it was kind of an offshoot of, uh, of my company. And we, uh, we began just by building a, a business plan. We hired an incredible executive director who was just fantastic. And, and from there, it's turned into a program that right now has over 1,500 kids in it, and we're wow. looking at expansion across New Brunswick, then eventually across Canada. Wow. So I bet you've learned quite a few lessons about kingdom business along the way in your journey. Were you always a Christian? Were you kind of born into Christianity or? Well, I was born into Christianity and uh, then I promptly at age 17, 18, left Christianity. Departed. Yeah. Departed, <laughs> yes. Left the church totally. I mean, I always considered myself a Christian, mm -hmm. but I was totally rebellious, lived life my way. And um, really more than 12 years, didn't even step foot into a church. Then I slowly started inching my way back and introduced my daughters to the church, but not in a way that was really meaningful. I mean, they didn't see me living it out. Yeah. We went there on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. As many people probably can relate. And then we have the author of the book, uh, Dying to Live, Bryn Elliott. You're the daughter, and you're right now in Kona. You're a born-again, on-fire believer. What are you doing in Kona? We'll get into the depth of your story because we have the full hour, but what are you doing in Kona right now? Yeah, so I've been in Kona for the last two years now with Youth with a Mission, YWAM. YWAM. Yeah, <laughs> and I started um, just originally going for only five months to do a discipleship training school, and it was completely life-changing. And then the Lord continued to... Um, ask me to learn about different subjects and do different courses. And I wasn't trying to get a degree. I just was so hungry to learn wow. more and to know more about who God is. And, um, and also just like experiencing that like strong Christian community of like all people, you know, my age or around my age, all on fire for the Lord and like what it actually looks like to live out Christianity with other people um, was amazing. So I just ended up never leaving. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just finishing a biblical studies degree, um, and I've done outreaches there on the island, around the island, and uh, volunteered in the foster care system a little bit. Wow. So, yeah, kind of. So you really are on fire for God, but it wasn't always that way. You know, when I think of your story, I think of a story of brokenness, a story that includes even homicide, loss, um, but then such a story of restoration. Where, Brian, does the journey begin for your family? Well, I mean, it really began, um, I guess if we back up a little bit, I had two failed marriages, right? And two, two failed marriages yeah. into a third. Yep. Both of my daughters were beginning to plummet into addiction when they turned 15. So around 2015 and, and going into 2016, both my daughters were in, were in addiction centers, and uh, uh, my older daughter had experienced just kind of horrific traumas, mm -hmm. and uh, we tried many addiction centers with her. And then in 2016, that's when I finally made Jesus Lord of my life, and wow. uh, I passed everything over to him, and then everything changed. I had never experienced transformation. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. When people said a relationship, I didn't know what it meant. Um, I didn't pray. In fact, I hired people to pray. And uh... <laughs> just a second, you have to explain this to our viewers. I hired people to pray, 
and, and you didn't personally know Jesus. L let me just camp there for a minute because growing up in church, I can kind of relate to that where you're hearing so much about Jesus, but you've never had the personal encounter. Maybe before you talk about your personal encounter, uh, because I can already feel it on YouTube, they're wondering, what do you mean hired people to pray? Explain that. So, I mean, again, I, I believed in Jesus. Everything was compelling around it. Mm -hmm. I never experienced any transformation in my life. You know, I lived a life of compromise, and I kind of picked and chose what I wanted. I didn't read the Bible, so, yep. um, but, you know, that, so that kind of underpinning of my faith was there, but it was very weak. But understanding the faith, you know, I, I did hire somebody to, to pray for the company. And, uh, and then what happened was when God broke into my heart, then, you know, the, I actually started to build prayer teams and wow. I was going to instruct them on what to, what to pray for that. He convicted me and he goes, no, no, you have to be an intercessor first. <laughs> right. And, and, but these teams were incredible. Like they, they were mature Christians. Wow. They brought me in and, you know, all I'd ever really said was the Lord's prayer. And they were very gentle and introduced me to prayer. And now I absolutely love to pray. I got into the word of God wow. and I love the word of God. Now I did restoring the foundations, uh, where I went into the generational ungodly beliefs, you know, inner healing, deliverance, uh, wow. that very same year. So that, that first year, I kind of was a real trajectory into the kingdom of God. And that's when the girls were both in addiction centers. So a, a man really can change. And you're this high-powered CEO, whether you describe yourself that way or not. You've got people praying, which actually invited you into. That was a way, I think, in their prayers, it sounds like, something broke open for you, but now your family was in, in total turmoil. And so many people can relate to this. I mean, as a pastor, uh, for 20 years, I've, I've come to know that oftentimes the environment that we have going on in church is not necessarily the environment that people go home to. And you have all kinds of stuff going on. So you, both your daughters were in addiction. That, in, that includes you, that was Abby, and then yourself. Um, how would you characterize your life? Here, your father is in business, coming to know the Lord genuinely, but your life is out of control. What did that look like? Yeah, well, really it looked like me trying to like reach for anything the world had to offer to try to heal or cope with... Um, different traumas that I was trying to handle by myself, even like as young as 12 years old, wow. trying to figure out what it looks like to, you know, heal and try to be healthy again. And wow. um, so at, like at 12, I, I went to drugs and... Uh, 12 years old, you were into drugs. Yeah, I started like drinking, smoking weed, and I went as far as cocaine at 12 um, and actually almost overdosed at 12. So it, wow. it started bad and it just got worse. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, at being a kid and at the time, like, he was really wrapped up in business. That's where his head was. He wasn't focused on the Lord yet or anything like that. Um, and everyone was doing the best that they could. But for, for me, too, like, my older sister was, she was my best friend. She was my role model. And really, it didn't start as, like, oh, I want to rebel and I want to do this bad thing. I want to do drugs. It was, like, it was presented to me as, like, oh, here's something that helps and you're not going to feel this pain and you're not going to remember these things and wow. you'll finally be able to like relax. And I was like, okay, that's all I want. Um, 
Yeah, so that so was really it, it the was start. It was an escape, really. The mm -hmm. drugs, the alcohol, everything. And you have an older sister that's, that's leading you into that and all that comes with that lifestyle. And that's at 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Brian, um, you said you went through, was it eight ancient paths? Was that a turning point for you? What did that do for you? This is all connected with family foundations, I guess. Yeah, so what happened was, so that was not until 2018 that I got mm -hmm. connected with uh, family foundations and understanding the ancient past and began to, and when 2019, that's where I started to understand the, the power of the Father's blessing. And I began to, to move in those ways. But um, I mean, but when I look at 2016, what had happened was, the, the girls' personalities really started to change when they hit age 15 and 16. And um, there was just dramatic shifts in their behavior. And uh, it was because all the pain and trauma that they experienced throughout their lives was beginning to surface in their wow. sexuality and they didn't know how to deal with it. And Abby went down quickly. Um, and then we saw Bryn really starting to fall in the same way. So we were able to intervene on Bryn a bit faster. But, um, I mean, we, we, we threw everything at it that we could. I mean, for a while, I was spending 40000 a month on addiction centers. Wow. And with Abby, I had six different therapists living in a sober living home in, in Los Angeles with kind of everything you could possibly do with, wow. you know, with, with a, a companion at first yeah. and uh, just <clears throat> as much structure as we could give her. And yeah. so we did everything that we possibly could. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the Father's blessing and... Uh, and in a moment, I'd like to go into a little bit on you did experience the loss of your daughter, Abby. I mean, this whole story really paints a picture of as bad as it can get, yet Jesus steps into the picture and redeems. But the Father's blessing, what does that mean? Is that what was lacking in the home? What do you mean by that, the Father's blessing? Well, I guess the... When I finally made Jesus Lord of my life, right, I finally began to yield my life to him. And I had experienced really everything the world had to offer. That uh, I mean, I had Raptor courtside seats. We lived in a $6 million home. Right? I got engaged at the foothills of the Andes and, and wow. married in a, a state in Italy. So we kind of get to try everything. And, yeah. and it's amazing, the, the emptiness, especially when your family's in crisis. Mm -hmm. All the money in the world can't help you. Wow. Right? There's, there's, there's nothing. And so as I began to yield to the Lord like these things of the world began to grow literally dim, right? Wow. And my, my priorities started to shift, but it was a, what was required first and foremost was a transformation of my heart because mm -hmm. I couldn't control all these crazy things that were happening mm -hmm. outside. And so I began just to, to really press in with the Lord. And, and that's where there was like many different layers of inner healing wow. and, um, and really getting into prayer. And we had prayer chains going over the girls as well. And then getting into the, the time of Father's blessing. So uh, we had all, Abby had already been murdered in May of 2018. Your daughter, Abby, had been murdered in 2018. That's your oldest daughter. Wow. Okay. That takes place. And well, and, and we already thought we were at a rock bottom at that point, too, because there was a lot of things beginning to happen in the business front that weren't good. Wow. Family was already crumbling under the weight of just years of addiction and the stress that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and, and literally, I thought this is as bad as it could get. And then, and then after Abby was murdered, um, things continued to decline. And then Brent continued a very serious decline. And it was in really 2019 where Family Foundations introduced me to the Father's blessing. And I began to see, like, speaking the words of the Father into the heart of, of a daughter or son, just the power of that. Because there's the... There's the curse that resides until that father comes 
and mm -hmm. releases the blessing and favor of God and really just declaring the, the kingdom of God and the lordship of wow. Jesus Christ, the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. and just beginning to move in, and, uh, in, in those ways. So, Well, you, you just said some loaded things right there, and, and many people who are watching would really want to know because they may feel like, hey, I'm going to church, or I'm a Christian, I read my Bible sometimes, but I need breakthrough in my own family. And here you were a Christian, you're getting into prayer, but you mentioned curses. There can still be curses operating in people's lives, even though they're going to church. <laughs> well, what's incredible is, I mean, curses coming down the generations to third and fourth generation, yeah. right? That the, yeah. those, those iniquities that are passed through, you've got even the generational gifts have to, be, sorry, the redemptive gifts even have to be sanctified. You wow. have to appropriate the victory of Jesus into the, the traumas and hurts of our heart into, wow. so it's, it's, it's pretty broad. And that just led me to, as I hungered for the Lord, I had a passion for freedom because I know I can only give what I have. Yeah. So I knew that the, the, the more free I could become in Jesus, yeah. then the more I could share and give to others. So you would say, even though you, you had chosen the Lord, you're, you're going to church, there were actual generational curses still resting on your family, which is kind of obvious because you look at everything disintegrating. Um, and that's when you got into the Father's blessing. You mentioned, and we're going to come back to, to Bryn here, but we'll, we'll start over here. You mentioned uh, speaking, speaking things over your family. How would you describe, what does it mean to really be a role model as a father and, and do this thing? How do you execute, if that's the word, the Father's blessing? Well, I actually had a, quite an uphill battle on that one because... When, as I started to move into, for example, taking care of the generational pieces, mm -hmm. if my daughters were young, right, that would have really stopped those generational, many of the generational things in their tracks. But my girls were already older, and I had lost influence in their lives because they were under the influence of, uh, of drugs mm -hmm. and really uh, friend groups that, that weren't healthy. So I, I had limited abilities. So it's not like I could sit Bryn down, look in her eyes and speak life into it, right? So I had to begin to pray. She's already out the door kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Or I would do recordings or, you know, for her 19th birthday, I basically wrote blessings around these two big picture frames and just a declaration on them. I took pictures from when she was a baby with she and her sister, family pictures, and I made these collages. Neil gave me a great <laughs> idea. And uh, yeah, I put it into practice. And So th this part's really cool because... Maybe a lot of dads don't know that they have the power to do that. We're often looking for some kind of, you know, minister to go to or some situation, try to get them to the conference or something. And, and I'm sure you maybe attempted that, dragging your daughter to every, every event. Yeah, she, she'll, she'll tell you about my, my attempts and her, <laughs> and her response to I, those. I really want to hear about that. Um, but you mentioned something very creative, voice messages. And I really want to get practical here because there's a lot of parents out there that don't know they could be sowing this into their, into their children. What do you mean by voice messages? So what I started to do, and again, because I had such limited access to them, and when I was with them, they wouldn't necessarily want to listen and have you pray over them or anything like that. So really, I began with like if it was a Father's Day or on a birthday or something like that, I would just record a prayer, a blessing. I would just speak identity and destiny over them wow. and just speak words of life over them. And those were the little kind of dribs I could do. And then wow. I am, uh, I'm not an arts guy and I'm not creative and uh, I can't really take a picture. Art is not my thing. But I think 
I would assume the fact that I would go to the effort to to do that, right, would just show where my heart is. And, yeah. and but it's those, it's just sowing seeds, this little seeds continuously because I had very little impact on them uh, from that point. But I could sow seeds and then and then bathe them in prayer. And I think too, like walking out my life with the Lord and being an example, a living example, allowed them to to see elements of the Father in me. Wow. So you as a dad have to live it. That's what I'm getting. And then it flows down. But also there's power in speaking life and blessing over your children, no matter where they're at. That's what I'm hearing here. And you said for her birthday, you you did some portraits or something like that. Yeah. About so there were two like, you know, great big picture frames and I wrote the blessing around the outside and then little in and then I did just collages of pictures just to really root them to family wow. and create that that emotional connection too like just because uh, we were really close when she was young and then you know with with addiction as you know right it's really really hard it's yeah. a, it's a almost of a disease a disease of disconnection so yeah. trying to create connection through that it's very very difficult and and also, you know, as a father, you know, we're the, we're the protection. So you have the marriage is, is a hedge of protection. I had broken two, right? My yeah. third one was crumbling and gone. Yeah. And, uh, and then so, you know, I had a lot of compromise in my life. So that yeah. layer of protection over them. So, so all the elements of covering, I wasn't submitted to a pastor or in the church. Yeah. Right? I, I kind of went and sat in the back row as a Sunday Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So these, how God has designed us to be protected and covered, mentored and discipled. I was not participating was in any nothing. of that. This is amazing. What a story that there has been redemption after. I mean, for all of us, there's just no excuse when, when you hear something like this. Now, now, Bryn, I as a pastor's kid know what it's like to be dragged uh, kicking and screaming to some things. I went through my own backsliddenness. If, if you know my testimony, I was in the mu music industry and all this. And uh, my parents used to go into my bedroom when I wasn't home, and they would join hands and pray that I would return to the Lord, and, and eventually I did. But talk about this journey now. Your dad was trying to get you to go to some, some meetings and trying to get you delivered. Is that what was going on? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, well, when he started walking in his faith, um, like he said, there wasn't much he could do. Like, I was really deep into addiction, and so even having normal conversations, not even about God or anything, like were very short and really difficult. I would lash out, I would freak out. I couldn't be home for too long. I would be in and out, wow. um, like bare minimum communication with any of my family really. Mm -hmm. And when he started walking with the Lord, he, he knew that like he couldn't push me into this mm -hmm. because I showed him that I run away from that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but like as my father and yeah, just like kind of like the relentless love that he had for me, like he just continued to invite me in and wow. he made it my choice. Like, Hey, we have this prayer meeting going on. Like, can you just come for 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. Like, or five minutes, whatever you want. Like you're totally welcome to come if you want. And usually I wouldn't. But sometimes, every once in a while, I would, and it didn't go great at the beginning. I would go into these prayer meetings or into rooms filled with prophetic people, and I would sit down. They would start praying. Everything inside me was like, was just, yeah, just I like bet. screaming to get out. And so I usually bet. I would just storm out. 
Um, there's. Would you say there was demonic oppression? Oh, like for you sure. Were feeling it? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm using the nicer terminology, but yeah. it was quite a party, I bet. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. And and I would lash out like when people would even speak prophetic words over me about how mm. God wanted to use me or my future or like wow. beautiful words. I would get so angry. Yeah. And I would yeah. cuss them all out and leave. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I left every meeting that he invited me to. And yet he still invited me back. And you still invited your yeah. daughter. There's, you know, this is such a prodigal daughter story. You know, you really... So it was the heart of the father mm -hmm. that was unrelenting in yeah. pursuing you. Okay, so keep going. Yeah, and yeah, there was one specific time actually that um, a lady, Patricia Bootsma, was prophesying oh, over me. Oh, we love her. Yeah. yeah, she's awesome. And she actually said, you're going to go to YWAM Kona and you're going to do ministry school. Jesus. Yeah. And well, she continued, but she said that. And I was like, what is that? And she was like, it's ministry school. It's like a, you know, a missionary organization. And I was like, if you think that I'm going to do that, like you're whack. And I cussed her out, slammed the door and the door didn't slam good enough for me. So I went back and I slammed the door again. That <laughs> is just amazing. I'm yeah. trying to picture this in my mind, yeah. especially Patricia Bootsma is just prophesying over you. And you're, you're exactly there now. YWAM and, yeah. and all of this. So, yeah. okay. So you, you, you smashed the door a second time. When was the breaking point then? Because this is obvious bondage. Mm -hmm. It was just a progression of time or was there a particular tipping point? Yeah, well, after my sister died, um, I just went into like my lowest low yeah. for the next, I'd say, year and a half. And at that point, I was so deep into addiction, went as far as heroin. Yeah. I was... I would wake up every day screaming and crying just with the realization that I'm still alive. I have to live through another day. Wow. My only prayers to God were that I would get murdered too and to take me yeah. too. Um, I was suicidal. I was depressed. Um, I was like 90 pounds, super skinny, literally looked like I was dying. Yeah. I couldn't control my emotions. I would punch walls, pull out my hair, all of that. And after a year and a half of literally living in what felt like hell, yeah. um, and he was, you know, continued to invite me into these places and into rooms with these people. And he had so many people praying for me. He was fighting for me in prayer. My, you know, my grandma, my other family members were fighting for me. And eventually he invited me to deliverance. And I was like, all right, whatever. It's like two hour session. Like I'll try anything at anything. this point. Yeah, yeah. And I went into de this deliverance session, super skeptical, not expecting much, but just going because why not? And the Lord moved in just such a, cr a crazy way. This woman wow. I've never met before essentially like told me all about my life. Wow. And I was like, how did you know that? How did you know that? And she's like, God just told me, like God speaks and explained to me about God speaking, which I'd heard before from being invited to these meetings. But I was like, okay, maybe he speaks to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he doesn't speak to me. And yeah. so it was like the first thing that I heard from the Lord that I was like, okay, this is so real. He's so here. And she was like, the Lord wants to heal you today. Wow. And I just broke. And I even went back to my apartment that night and had my first encounter with the Lord. Wow. And it, that day, it wasn't like automatically I was perfect and I wasn't doing yeah, anything yeah, bad yeah. and making yeah. all good choices. And, but it was, it was what I needed from the Lord. And obviously he knew that to 
get my foot in the door the and door just start, yeah, and just start to get curious about who he is and hungry for more and actually wanting to enter into these rooms with these people and hear what they have to say. And, and then even just like after that moment, looking back at all the prophetic words I'd received over my life that I was so angry about, I started reading them and I'm like, okay, this might be real. Like yeah. there yeah. might be something to this. I had them all written down and I just was in awe. Wow, so the value of prophetic words even in this story, and you read in scripture how the prophetic words when somebody comes into a church, that's the context, and prophetic words are given, it brings a person to conviction. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.